Not just that He's a good God, but He's a faithful God. Amen. I am so thankful tonight that I serve a living God. Amen. Can we lift our hands all over this place right now? I feel the presence of God wanting to do something in this house tonight. Father, whatever you want to do here, God, we are your people. You are faithful, God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday night. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Read verses 23 through 33. I'll try to read quickly. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. It says, And they came unto the brook Eshgal, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eshgal because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, and which come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to preach to you on this subject we are well able 
to overcome it. I want somebody to not just say that or see that tonight, but I want you deep down in your spirit to get a hold of that promise and that assurance that as of where you stand tonight, you are well able to overcome it. The very fact that you are in this place tonight tells me that you are well able to overcome it. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that is here. God, we sense that you are wanting to take us to a new place. God, we feel it every time that we pray. God, there is anticipation. There is expectation, oh God. Oh Lord, and we can tiptoe and we can debate all day and every day. But the truth is, oh God, if we want it, we can have it. God, if we're ready, God, we can enter in. Whenever, God, you open that door, it's ours for the taking. And Lord, tonight, I pray there would be a shaking and a stirring in somebody's heart and soul that's been beaten down and discouraged time and time again that they would hear the word of the Lord tonight. We are more than able to overcome whatever is before us. No matter the trial, no matter the situation, for you, O Lord, are with us. Praise God. Praise God. If you promise to keep preaching, With me, you can be seated tonight. Amen. I don't know what it is for you, but when I look around tonight, I feel pretty certain that you are well able to overcome it. As tired as you are, as weak as you may feel in your body tonight, you are well able to overcome whatever it is. Anyone who looks around in our world today, it doesn't take long for you to find T-R-O-U-B-L-E. It comes in various forms in different seasons. Sometimes it's snakes. Sometimes it's wolves. Sometimes it's our world. Sometimes it's an enemy. Sometimes it's our friends. And sometimes it's even our own thinking. There are seasons where it seems quiet and you feel like the coast is clear, but then you go to sleep and you wake up and the news is bad again and trouble's around the corner again. We discuss it often because we see it everywhere around us. Wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, brother against brother, pestilences, earthquakes, storms. Our head tonight is not in the sand. We see people struggling. We see people fighting. We see people doing everything they can just to pay for gas at the pump or groceries in the grocery store. Working two or three jobs just trying to put food on the table. We see things taking place that make us feel concerned and we're not naive to those things tonight. We're not caught off guard that there is trouble around. 
But we press on and we do our part to get through another day. We know all of the promises of God. Each one that He has given and with every bit of knowledge that we have. We quote Scripture. Oh, He'll never leave you nor forsake you. When I am weak, He is strong. He goes before me in battle. He is near to the brokenhearted. And we, we have all of these one-liners and these scriptures that we use to encourage one another or perhaps even ourselves. We have book after book after book. We have libraries. We have daily devotions. All of the words that could possibly be thought of, we have thought of them. And we have shared them. And by this point, they're writing the same books with a different title just to get you to buy it, to try to figure out another way to get through the same situation you were in 10 years ago. John said it. He said, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. In your own life, you have had a Bible worth of things that God has done for you. That in your own life, if you began to write down all of the blessings and you began to name them one by one and every good thing that God has done for you from the time you were an infant until you're here tonight, you could write a book. You could write several books of the goodness of God. But with all that we know and all of the resources we have, there is this thing called reality. That there is an it that we have got to overcome. That it is between me and the promised land. And while there was a land of promise, there was a land that they said, surely it is what He said it is. Surely it is a land that floweth with milk and honey. And we have the fruit of it. We brought it with us just as Moses commanded. We know that it's real. We have seen it. We have tasted it. We have experienced enough to know that what is before us is far greater than what has ever been behind us. Though we're not living in it yet, and though we haven't fully entered in yet, we have enough evidence and enough proof to declare that where God wants to take us is better than where we've been. That the promised land that God is calling us to is better than the Egypt that we found ourselves bound. Surely it floweth with milk and honey. There's no denying the good thing that God has. We're not denying He's a miracle worker. We're not denying that He is able and faithful. We're not denying that everything we have been told is true. Nevertheless, the people be strong. The cities, they're walled and are very great. And oh, by the way, we saw the children of Anak there. And they are giants. God help me 
if what I see keeps me back from what you say. God, help me that if because of circumstances going on around me and things that I see that are contrary to what you say, but I allow that to poison my thinking and my speech and my opinion of what you are faithful to do and able to do. God, get a hold of my spirit. God, I, I see the statistics that of 12 that went out that only two came back and said, I believe we can do this. I believe we can make it. That there were 10 others that allowed what they were seeing, that allowed what they were a part of for just 40 days to say, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we can really make it. And you sit and wonder, why even bring the fruit back? Why even come talking about the land and how it flows with milk and honey? Why even come talking about how good and how great it is if you've already made up in your mind you couldn't do it? It was cynical thinking. It was a negative spirit. And the word says it was an evil report. At what point do you feel that you are well able to overcome? At what point do you feel like that's too tall? At what point do you look at the gates and the walls of the city and say, I think we can overcome that. Everybody's got a measure that they say, well, I think we can do that. I think we can defeat that giant. He, he ain't as big as the others that I've seen. So at what point, Greater Life Church, do you look at the situation and you say, you know what? What I have seen and what I have experienced is great enough that it doesn't matter how tall that giant may be. I want my family to experience that. I don't care how many people there may be. What I've tasted and what I have seen has been enough for me to say, oh, come what may, come what may, but I want to enter in to the promised land. It ought to build a zeal up inside of you. You ought to have a taste of heaven enough here in our services that you say, oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I wouldn't miss that place for anything because I... I have tasted just a little bit. At what point is what you are able to obtain worth the risk of the fight you might have to get involved in? What point do you look at it and say, you know what, it's worth the risk to get in there and get after it and see what God just might do for me? Yes, I know the promise of God but I also see a problem. Yes, I know He can heal, but I also see the report that the doctors have given me. Yes, I know He's a provider, but I've also seen the bank account and, and the groceries are going up and the gas is going up and all these other things and, and my bank account's going down. I know it's a good land. There's no denying that. Nobody denied that. The ten that came back with an evil report, not one of them said anything other than the land was a place that was going to eat them up. We have no problem seeing the truth, but we also are facing our reality. You know, they have expectation versus reality. 
And there are a lot of people with great expectations that life has had a way of just squishing that expectation with a dose of reality. That you had dreams and you had ambitions to become something and and you had a house that you wanted or a car that you wanted and you had these dreams and expectations. But somewhere in life, life came along the way and smashed that expectation with a dose of reality. Has anybody ever been there? And life has a way of doing that. Jacob experienced that. The Bible says Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve seven years for Rachel, thy young daughter, Laban. And Laban said, abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. So his expectation was Rachel. What he had worked for was Rachel. What he was hoping for was Rachel. But the Bible says Jacob served seven years. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled. I've done everything I've been asked to do. I've served my time that I may go in unto her. His expectation was he was going to get Rachel to be his wife now that he had done his part. But the Bible says that Laban took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Oh, my expectations were here. I did my part. I did everything I was supposed to do. But reality comes and sets in. And when the sun comes up and my eyes are opened, the reality is telling me I have been duped. The reality is telling me that reality has just crushed my dreams. The world takes my expectations and squashes my dream with reality. But God... He takes my reality and goes above my expectations. For God said, our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or even think. And He says, I will take your reality. I will take the place that you are in and the struggle that you are facing. And not only am I going to answer you in your reality, but I'm going to meet you at a greater expectation than you even imagined. Matthew 9 says that two blind men followed Jesus crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Their reality was they were blind. Their reality was they have not been able to see. And the world tells us that it would matter that their expectations are to see. The reality is they are blind. Oh, I would love to see. That's my dream. That's my goal. That's my ambition. Sorry. Sorry, you're blind. But Jesus says, do you believe I am able? To which they responded, yea, Lord. Yea, Lord. I know my reality is that I can't see, but yes, Lord, I have an expectation. I have something in me that says that you are able. Jesus then touches them and says, according to your faith, Be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. One translation says, You will have what your faith 
expects. And as simple as that sounds, that is where we are tonight. You will have what your faith expects. If you go in blind, it doesn't matter what your reality is. If you have faith that you can see, God says you're going to see. If you have faith you can enter in, you're going to enter in. If you have faith that you're going to experience breakthrough, then you're going to experience breakthrough. If you believe that you're going to have a down day, guess what? You're probably going to have a down day. If you're going to sit and say, I don't think we can, then guess what? You're probably not going to. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you expect destruction, destruction will be had. If you expect disappointment, guess what? You will experience disappointment. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, you will become a grasshopper in their eyes. Reality is tough, but the true reality is anything is possible. Reality is it may be hard to overcome, but we are able to overcome it. The truth of the matter is anything is possible. That when God begins to move and God says, I have a place for you and it flows with milk and honey. It has everything that you're going to need to be satisfied. It has everything you're going to need to not have to labor like you've been laboring and sweat like you've been sweating. All you're going to do is enter in and enjoy the promise. The journey has brought us here. Each and every one of you has come from a different background, a different walk of life. Some of you born and raised in this. Some of you found it and and you ran to it. Some of you didn't want it and God came and found you and brought you to it and brought you into this place and saved you. But now you are here tonight. Some of you have been through divorce. You've been through the loss of a loved one. You've been through trial and storm and fire and, and adversity. And you've been through all of these things. And now you're here tonight. And you find yourself on the edge of something great and miraculous. You find yourself right here in that moment where God is saying, Greater Life Church, I'm wanting to take you to the next place. But I want to ask you, now what? Now that you've endured all of that, Now that you've made it through all of those things and you're here tonight, what is your next step? These spies that had gone into the land to check it out. This was more than some quick quick peek inside the land. The Bible says they returned from searching the land for 40 days. They have seen. They have experienced it. And have gotten a small preview of what it would be like. That if my family was here, if my children were here, if my church was here with me, what would that be like? And they come back with proof. They come back and show them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land. And surely, it's just like God said. Surely, it is everything God promised. Here is the thing. How... Can I go from seeing it, experience it, and tasting it, and then get to the place where I'm content with anything else? 
How can I go and visit the promised land and see all that it has to offer and see all of the blessings and come back and say, you know what, as good as that was, as wonderful as that was, is there somewhere else that I could, you know, settle? Is there somewhere else I could just be content and, and really not have to do all of that and really fight to get to the promise of God? I know the list of why not, but it's not good enough for me. I know the reasons that they list and they go across, and I wasn't there. But I know how we think and I know what we see. But, but I can only imagine that if it was as good as they say it was and wonderful as God promised that it would be, that how in the world could they walk away and say, you know what, I don't, I don't think I can do that. I know the reason why some choose not to, but for me it's not good enough. Because once I have participated, how can I be content simply spectating and watching as somebody else inherits what should have been mine? How can I sit back from afar and see somebody else enjoying what God had for me? That would be torture. That would be torment. That would be something I would never want to experience before. When I've been told that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. But I am satisfied on the ground and I've just got my binoculars out and I'm watching all the other eagles fly. I'm watching them wait on the Lord and soar. I'm watching them go to skies that I'll never see and, and get views that I'll never see because I've grown content with where I'm at and seeing my four walls and nothing more. I know I could be up there, but instead I'm down here enjoying the view. Second Samuel in the message says that it was reported to King David that God had prospered Obed-Edom and his entire household because of the chest of God. King David, the Ark of the Covenant is in Obed-Edom's house. Oh, and, and you should see it. It's blessing everybody. It's blessing his family just because it's there. Just because the presence of God is in his home, everybody feels peace. Everybody feels joy. Everybody feels the love of God. And the Bible says, David thought, I'll go get some of that blessing for myself. And he goes and gets the ark and he brings it back. And he says, I want to be where the presence of God is. I want to be able to enjoy that. I'm not satisfied just letting old Obed have it to himself. I want him on some of that action. I don't want just you going to the promised land. I want to go to. I want to be a part of that. And I want you to go and you to go. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring it back here where we can all enjoy it. And we can all enjoy the presence of God. And so the Bible says that He brings it and every few steps He begins to dance and shout and thank God for His presence and thank Him for His near and he offers up a sacrifice and he takes a few more steps and he can't contain himself and he starts dancing and shouting again. But then Saul's daughter Michael is sitting there looking out the window, watching. 
while somebody else is in the presence of God and somebody else is enjoying all the fullness of what God has. Somebody else is in their own promise and enjoying the presence. Somebody else is content just sitting back and watching. She looks out the window and she sees David leaping and dancing before God. David returned home to bless his family. She comes up to him and says, How wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today. What a fool you were. How silly of you out there dancing, acting crazy in front of all these people, acting that way, shouting that way, going about that way. And David replied, In God's presence... I'll dance all I want. In God's presence, I will dance all I want. He said, He chose me over your father and the rest of our family and made me prince over God's people, over Israel. Oh yes, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly than even this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly look like a fool. I will gladly dance and be mocked by you all day, every day. Because you don't feel the presence of the Lord like I feel the presence of the Lord. Because while you were content watching, I was worshiping. While you were content saying, I don't want to go to all the trouble. I was saying, oh yeah, I want it. I want it. I want it. I'll do more than this. I'll spend a few times. I'll dance, I'll shout, I'll do whatever I've got to do because I want the promise of God. A couple of years ago, I was at General Conference and the power of God was in that service. I still feel that same presence from time to time and and God swept in that place in such a mighty way and every song, every word that was spoken, they couldn't even get done with some of the stuff they needed to get done because the power of God was moving in that place. And I watched as people were out in the aisles and kids were responding and young people were responding. And you're talking about thousands of people in this room and the power of God was in there in such a mighty, mighty way. And we were able to experience that together. We were able to dance in there together and just bask in the presence of God. And we felt some of that around here from time to time. And every time we begin to sing and and we begin to worship, we feel that. We get a taste of that. We get a moment of that. And we were having that moment there. And I looked as the lady in front of me is in the presence of the Almighty God who is in the same presence as the ones that are worshiping and dancing, has her phone, and she's on Facebook, watching the very service that she is in. Not so that she could comment and put a little... Amen. Sister so-and-so's watching. No, she's just sitting in her pew, hanging out, watching, watching 
while somebody else is in there worshiping. While the power of God was stirring. While the power of God was moving. And that could have been her moment, but because that's been so ingrained in us that, that if there's a screen, we got to look at it. If there's something there that catches our eye, we just, she couldn't even sit still. She's sitting there watching the service right there on our phone. And I know there are some things we are up against. I know there is a fight in the Spirit. I feel it even tonight. I know our world is dark. And I know there's a lot going on that could cause our world to go haywire in an instant. We've been a part of it. But when I know what I know. And when I've experienced the presence of God like I've experienced it. And when I've seen all the things I've seen in my lifetime. And I've seen God do miracles in my own life and in my family. And I've seen people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Whether it be a small child or whether it be a grown man who you thought God would never get a hold of. And God grabbed them and tears begin to fall. And their whole countenance changes. And they begin to speak in a heavenly language. How can I experience all of that and get a taste of that and then settle for anything less? How could I ever be in an apostolic church where I have felt the power of God and I've seen Him transform lives and say, you know what? I don't think I need to go to all of that trouble. I don't think I need to go do all that. God, help me if I ever get to the place where it's not worth the fight, where it's not worth the giants that are up against me, where it's not worth the wall that's great and the people that are great. This land, this next step, this revival that God wants to take me to is worth it all there's got to be someone who will stand up and say I will not be content with a second best I will not be content trying to find a second best God there is no second best God there is no second best salvation there is no second best promised land this is it this is the life this is everything that we have lived our life for this is what we endured Egypt for this is what we endured bondage for and now is the moment that I can enter in it's promised land or bust for me it's heaven or bust for me it's revival or bust for me I want it more than anything I don't care what I've got to fight I don't care what I've got to do I'm going to see it I'm going to pray for it I'm going to believe for it I'm going to declare it and I'm going to make sure my baby see it and the future generation sees it I don't care what I've got to do it's going to happen I won't settle I won't quit I will not give up I'm going to keep going until it happens until we see it Come on, it's everything. If you miss this, you miss it all. If we miss this, we might as well go back to Egypt. If we miss this, we might as well die here in the wilderness. Oh, come on, it, it may satisfy you to settle. 
It may satisfy you to be content, but for me, I can't let this be it. I know too much. I've seen too much. I've had a glimpse of the heavenly. I've had a taste of what God wants to do in this next hour. And it's enough to get me to a place where I say I don't care what's before me. I'm going to see that promise. Stand all over this house. Paul writing in Philippians. He says, whatever happens, keep living your life based on the reality. Somebody say it. The reality of the gospel of Christ. Not what I see. Not what I feel. Not my opinion. But on the gospel of Christ. He says, for God has graciously given you the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for Him. For you have been called by Him to endure the conflict. To endure the conflict in the same way that I have endured it. And watch what Paul says, for you know I'm not giving up. For you know I'm not giving up. I've endured a lot of nonsense. I've endured a lot of trouble and a lot of trials and a lot of negative talk from a lot of people. But as for this old boy right here, I'm not giving up. As for this guy right here, I'm not backing down. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. You do what you want to do, but I'm not going to quit doing what God has called me to do. Oh, Caleb. Caleb got a hold of that. Caleb said, Oh, I, I saw all the things they saw. I saw those giants. I saw the trouble. I saw them crying in their hurt and in their pain. Oh, but I also saw some things that was well worth it. And there was a Caleb there that said, you know what? Come what may. We are well able to overcome it. We are well able to overcome every trial, every adversity, every giant. Whatever it is, we can make it. Whatever it is, we can survive it. I've seen what's there and I've tasted it and I know there's no place that I'm going to settle. There ought to be nothing that gets in the way of me getting into that promised land. I saw the giants too. I'm not naive. I'm not foolish. I know what I'm looking at. But I also know who I serve. I also know who I serve. And when I look around, I'm not just here saying, come on, I think I can do this. I think I can overcome this. No. Caleb sat there and said, you know what? I think we can. I, might, I can't do this by myself, but I think we can. 
There's a lot of things we're facing and there's, there's giants and there's a lot of people. But if we would rally together, if we would make up in our mind, if we would decide right here and right now, there's somewhere that is worth it that I want you to be a part of. And I want you to be a part of. And I want you to be a part of. And they rally together and say, we can do this. We can overcome it. We can overcome it. I don't care what we see. I don't care what we're up against. I don't care how many they are. I don't care how tall they are. This isn't some young scrappy guy saying, let me at him, let me at him. No, this is one saying, if God said I can have it, then I want it. If God promised me we could have it, then I'm going to walk in it. And we are there. We are at that place where somebody's got to stand up and somebody's got to step out and begin walking and claiming that territory. Come on, grab somebody by the hand. Bring them to the altar tonight. Come on, we can overcome. We can enter in. We can see it. I won't settle. I won't settle. It's revival or bust. It's breakthrough or bust. This is everything. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been fasting for. I know what I see. But I know what he said. I know what he said. Come on, walk in it. Claim it together. We can overcome. We can overcome. We can overcome. Whatever it is, you've got it. Whatever it is, we're going to make it. Come on, push past it, push past it, don't worry about what you see, I've tasted enough to know I want more, I've seen enough to know I want more. Come on, don't be content. Don't settle. Don't stop short. Don't you dare grow weary in well-doing. You're about to reap a harvest. You're about to see the fruition of all of your labor. Come on, where are you, Caleb? Where are you, Caleb? Come on, you've got a different spirit. There's something in you that doesn't see what everybody else sees. I see past this. I see past all of this into a land that I've been to. Hataya Rabo Koya Bahasata.